Hi everybody, this is your host Brooke James. Before we get into the episode today, I want to just let everyone know that we recorded this two weeks ago and that is a reason that Black Lives Matter is not discussed in the conversation that I have with the guest today. I'm sure it would have come up. I am actively looking for someone to come on the show and talk about some of the collective grief here, but I did want to be sure that I addressed it, the reason that we haven't spoken about it here. I've talked about it a lot on social. I, of course, unequivocally support the demonstrators and the protesters and Black Lives Matter. I have been having conversations with my friends and family, and if you follow my personal Instagram account, you've seen I've been sharing a lot of resources. I have given money. I have sent letters and called representatives. None of that is enough, but it is a start. So I did want to let everyone know and baseline everybody's expectations that the reason it is not addressed in this episode is because it was reported two weeks ago. I hope you enjoy the episode and thanks everyone for tuning in. Hi everyone. Before we get started today, I want to talk to you about our newest partner, BetterHelp. Throughout my own grieving process, I have found therapy to be critical in getting me to the point where I am today, and I truly cannot imagine getting through this past year without it. Uh, A lot of the world is still in some sort of quarantine or phased opening, and BetterHelp is a perfect platform for accessing therapy during this time because you can do it from wherever you are. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist, and you can have your first session scheduled in as little as 24 hours, which is huge. I know for a lot of people, you hit a roadblock in starting therapy because there's a pressure to really find the right fit. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. It's really easy to change a counselor if you feel like you want a better fit. The therapist you're matched with is available weekly, but you can send messages anytime through the app and get responses between sessions, which makes such a big difference, especially when you are processing a loss. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and they also have financial aid available, which I love and is one of the reasons that I decided to partner with them. We have a special offer for the Grief Coach listeners where you'll get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash thegriefcoach. That's T-R-Y-B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash the grief coach. You can join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. Investing in yourself is so important. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you know how much I prioritize doing the work to get through the grief process and better help is a wonderful platform to leverage to do so. Go to trybetterhelp.com slash the grief coach to get started. Hi everyone. Welcome to the grief coach. This is Brooke James. If you've listened before, welcome back. And if it's your first time listening, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, Today we have Laura OBA, Mrs. Louisiana International. Uh, Thank you, Laura, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be a guest. 
Yeah, I'm so excited. We had a really good conversation when we first connected. If you want to tell the listeners a little bit about you, kind of like your grief story, how we got connected. Well, I grew up in South Louisiana and I had a very close-knit family and it was, uh, it just had one sister and my Grief story. I don't want to surprise anybody. Get to the end of the story and <laughs> the tearjerker. It was my sister who I lost. So growing up, she was two years older than me. You know, she was my companion. We did everything together and vacations. And our family was really close, which was great. And we really, being from South Louisiana, you really understand community and the essence of community. You know, just walking into your neighbor's house and just sitting down for a few hours, which was wonderful. I was a freshman in college at LSU and she was a junior and she was about to, she went to go into education and she was about to start the program to get her master's degree. And she went to the doctor cause she had a headache and it was a headache in the same spot for about two weeks straight. The doctor said, well, you're young, you're healthy everything's fine. And as my sister was walking out of the doctor's office, the doctor said, wait, let's just get an MRI just in case. So she goes and gets an MRI and there was a brain tumor. Luckily it was operable. And so she went through it. Looking back now, it was a 10 year journey that she journeyed through brain cancer. Uh, The first one she had surgery. She did speech therapy and she <laughs> amazingly went back to school and got her master's degree in education. She started teaching and her heart was always for those less fortunate than herself. She taught at a low income school. She taught sixth grade math, which <laughs> I would never want to touch. I would never go back to sixth grade math. (laughs) And so that was her heart. And that's just how she just loved people really well. Her health journey, there was in five year increment at year five after the first tumor, uh, the tumor was regrowing. So she had to make the decision to go through radiation. So she did another small surgery and then radiation. Then during radiation is when she met her future husband. He, seeing her having to go through this difficult time in life and this difficult, you know, health battle, he kind of stepped it up and they were just friends. And then all of a sudden he came and I remember being there at the hospital after one of the radiation, um, uh, what do you call it? Not, sessions um, yeah. sessions yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess a session uh, he was there and he brought flowers and i remember thinking oh who is this guy <laughs> he really cares about her um so their love story is a beautiful um just a beautiful image and a beautiful story of just love and devotion so they so they ended up getting married and all is well and her health was good and then she gets pregnant with their first baby and she was 15 weeks pregnant when she started having trouble speaking and that's when she realized oh no it's it's back so she went to the doctor and of course now this time 
the brain tumor was in a different spot. It was more central in her brain Mm -hmm. and they, she and her husband had to pray and they had to talk about what they were going to do because if she did full blown chemotherapy, of course it would attack the baby. So she and her husband, she, her whole life, I mean, she just desired to be a mother and I laughed because being her little sister, I used to tell her all the time, Allison, you're not my mom. I have a mom because <laughs> she would mother me, you boss me, all things. So she wanted to be a mother. So they, they prayed and they talked about it and she ended up doing a very small dosage of chemotherapy throughout her pregnancy. And so her baby was born in September, 2014, and the baby was uh, four, just only four pounds, but she's healthy. And today she's a very lively five-year-old um, and she's, she's wonderful. And she has so much of my sister in her, which has been such a gift that we can kind of experience my sister, you know, all over again with her in different ways. Shortly after her baby was born, my sister's health just deteriorated. And she ended up had home health come and then we, then she went to hospice and she was in hospice for just about a week. And then then she passed away. And for me, I had never experienced loss before. I had, I had a friend or two uh, pass away, like when I was younger, but I, I was younger and I wasn't close to him and I just didn't didn't really get yeah right didn't get what was going on and for me she was healed the first two times and so I'm assuming oh of course it's going to be a piece of cake you know God's Mm -hmm. going to heal her again it's going to be perfect and I wouldn't let myself see reality and even though even though there were doctors reports and their opinions and their knowledge, I, I still wouldn't believe it. I still wouldn't let myself go there. And so I think whenever she, when she died, I was just in shock. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, wait, <laughs> you know, what, what happened? And, and even, and sometimes, gosh, just the other day I was laying in bed and I couldn't sleep. And I was thinking about the conversation she and I had whenever she was diagnosed the very first time with the brain tumor. And I remember her telling me about it and I was being so naive and I guess immature. You were young. You were 18, (laughs) right? That's true. Yeah, I was. Yeah. You're a kid when you're 18, right? You're right. right. That's true. And I remember telling her, well, why are you worried about it? And she said, well, you know, I could die. And now, and then of course I'm laying in bed, you know, it's like in bed whenever you start getting these guilty thoughts and these, these Yeah, in your of brain, life. I call it like yes. tornado brain, <laughs> just like yes. spirals. Yeah. Yes. So I'm laying there in bed and I'm thinking, I wasn't there for her emotionally. I was like, emotionally, I should have gone to that dark reality of, yes, you could die. But instead I just shut her down and said, Oh no, why are you worried about it? <laughs> and so there I am laying in bed feeling guilty about just little things. Looking back, it's like, man, if I could do that over, I would, 
I would be more emotionally involved, I guess, in the process instead of being tough, strong. Yeah. Well, I think that you gain so much perspective from a loss. And this is something that the first time you and I talked, we talked about that until you go through it, you can't explain it to people. And no matter how much wisdom you want to impart on someone who's going through it, it's really until you do experience the loss that you're like, oh, well, maybe I should have done this instead. And it's so easy to feel guilty or whatever, but like you Mm -hmm. do the best you can at the time. And like when Mm -hmm. you're 18, like that's different. And like, I thought even, and I don't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast, but like my mom lost her sister when I was 12. And so her kids were teenagers and my mom was in her forties. And I thought throughout all of it, I had done a reasonably good job, but then until my dad, I'm like, I was really close with her, but until my dad died, I was like, oh, maybe I didn't do so good. And when her dad died, I was Mm -hmm. 15. And maybe like, I think you don't get it. And like, that's part of the Mm -hmm. reason why I started the podcast was because I think what's lacking in our society is this empathy for these. And like, no one knows how to act because we never talk about this. So well, if more people are hearing these stories, maybe that will help people that are experiencing a loss or need to be empathetic to someone they're close to. I know it's right. like it's so easy and I love my therapist and I talk to her every week, but like <laughs> you you have to work through those like hard things mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a lot. And I think just as a person you're different when you're 18 than you are now. Like you have different life perspective. Right, right. Yeah. But so I do true. think it's really easy to go into like, well, I should have done this. But even my dad died last year and there are things I would have yeah. done differently. Right. And it was right. only a year ago. I know. I'm so amazed at you doing this. And it's, <laughs> and it's only been a year. Wow. I mean, that's awesome. I'm so glad you are doing this. It's, it's what's needed. Well, I'm it's- so glad that you found me. I always like get really excited when strangers reach out some of my family and my friends like have to be nice to me about this but when it's someone I don't know I'm oh no like this is a good important thing and one of the things like when we connected I really don't think sibling loss gets the space that it deserves people don't talk about it why don't they talk about it yeah it's like devastating it is. Yeah. It, it, you know, and I read that sibling grief is one of the most neglected forms of grief. And for me, I, and, and it's funny, you know, another like looking back in hindsight, it's like, man, I remember if I would come in contact with somebody who was like, oh yeah, they, like one of my um, husband's aunts had lost her sister just as an adult. And it was before I met her. And I remember just thinking, oh, that's really sad. But but it's, it's, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking, oh, that's devastating. <laughs> right. And I think, and now going through it, it's like the way I envision it, it's like my sister and I, we were companions. Like we were lifelong companions. And for somebody who's been with you, you know, through the thick and thin of life, through the awkward stages, through the, you know, being grounded and, you know, your parents fussing at, you know, whatever, somebody yeah. who's been there and those ugly moments and the good moments. It's hard just to not have that anymore. And I think, I think it's overlooked 
I feel like it because I mean, as a sibling and whenever your sibling dies, it's like your role in your family is totally different. You know, I went from being the little sister who kind of was in, you know, the shadow and I loved it there. I didn't really, you know, I mean, y'all could go and do your thing and I'm just going to be along for the ride. It's great. Right. right. And then I, and then all of a sudden I'm the only child and it was like, oh my gosh, if my parents call me, I have to answer. Like I have to be there for them. Yeah. I feel like so many people, of course, look to the parents, which, you know, I'm a parent myself and I can't, wouldn't, can't fathom, you know, the depth of that loss, of course, losing a child. But I think it's so often the siblings get lo- overlooked just because the siblings kind of have to step it up. And oh, that's it's interesting. Yeah. And even as a sibling, my, my mom's in a, in a group of grieving mothers and one of the, one of the families of course had, it was this, they lost their son. And so then the son that had a sit had a sister and she was mentioning, why don't you go have lunch with her? And I remember thinking, well, that would be a great idea, but I still haven't done it. I don't know. I wonder if like subconsciously we almost like put ourselves aside. Well, probably both. I think sometimes we subconsciously put ourselves aside, but sometimes also, you know, it's going to be emotional and like that you're going to unlock this stuff that maybe you haven't. And so I've talked in past episodes about sometimes being hesitant to like sit down and journal because I know it's going to be emotional, but then I always feel better after I do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is what you said about how it changes the family dynamics, if we could go back to that, because I think that's really one of the areas that people don't talk as much about, about how a death completely shifts a family dynamic. Um, And like, I know for me and for our family, like my dad's house was the house we gathered in and he was always bringing people together and the consummate host. And so, and it, it's different and it's weird to not have that. And what's the dynamic between like his brother and sister and what's the dynamic between like the Mm -hmm. kids and it's all so different. And so it was interesting to hear you say, well, I feel like I have to answer the phone because you don't want them Mm -hmm. to worry. And it's even like a little thing like that little I'm doing air quotes, but (laughs) but it it changes. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to answer this if, you don't want to, but do you feel like there's more pressure for you to spend time with your parents? Not pressure, but like, do you feel more of a responsibility to rather? Yes. Yes, definitely. And especially in the beginning, in the very beginning, I felt like I, like I said, you know, like I had to answer the phone, you know, if they were calling me, even though I didn't mention this before, but I have four kids. And so my days are packed and quite busy. busy. (laughs) A lot of times I won't answer the phone because it's like, I just can't think about anything else. But if they would call, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to answer. It's funny. My dad reached out to me. Gosh, it was probably just, let me do the math real quick. Two years after my sister died. And he said, he asked if I wanted to do a Bible study with him. And I'd never really done anything Bible study related with my dad before. And I thought, okay. And so he would come over every Wednesday and we would sit and we pretty much would just talk. And at 
some days, like I said, with four kids, I was busy and I didn't really want to, to do that. Like I didn't want to fill that time. You know, I had other things I needed to do, but, but I did, I felt this responsibility and I felt this pressure. Like he can't go and do this with Allison. I need to be here for him. I need to be here so he can do this. And of course it's all worked out and it's, it is a beautiful time for us. And he's gotten closer to my kids, which has been really neat, but it's, it's definitely leveled off. My sister died five years ago. So it's, we've sort of come into this new balance of things. One of the most difficult family dynamics was my sister's husband Mm-hmm. So she was married and had, you know, a child, everything, you know, of course, everybody was still pretty much in shock in the beginning. And we just sort of did everything we did before. We would have lunch together a few times, you know, like once a month. And he has been amazing. He'll come to family holidays and whatnot. Well, two years ago is the first time he started dating and he started dating this girl and she by the grace of God, she's wonderful and she's embraced us and we've been able to embrace her and she embraces my kids and everybody. But, you know, we still have had our sticky moments where you're kind of, you know, do I call my brother-in-law? Do I include him in the text messages that I used to include him and my sister in? almost like you need to almost like I should ask him how involved do you want to be like do you still want do you need your space and move on from us from our family or are you still do you still want to be that close with us that's so interesting I always feel like and I was talking to one of my friends aunts passed away and it's coronavirus. It's uh, the last week in May when we're recording. And we're in New York, but she went to Ohio to go to this funeral of her mom's sister. She was really debating whether Mm -hmm. or not to go. And I was like, no one is ever mad they went to a funeral. Like, and I think the connection I'm going to make is like, I don't think he would be mad to be included. And then you, you give someone the option and they do with it what they want. Cause you'll always right. have a tie to him because of your niece. Like right. that's not going to go away. Right. That's true. And I, yeah, you're yes, right. You can give someone the option so they feel included and then figure out a rhythm that works. Right. Right. Easier said than done completely, but like, right. <laughs> like, um, but it's really interesting how, it shifts everything. So if we can change gears a little bit, I want to talk uh, about being Mrs. Louisiana International and what that means. I have one friend who did pageants and we have listeners all over the country and all over the world. So if you can tell us a little bit about what you do there and how that connects to grief, because I thought that was super interesting. (laughs) <laughs> when you reached out. Yeah. <laughs> I know this random girl from Louisiana is like, Brooke, I love your podcast. <laughs> and and speaking like, like, amazing, <laughs> like, let's chat. <laughs> so thank you for responding because I was like, oh man, she's going to think I'm crazy. No, no. <laughs> um, okay. So Mrs. Louisiana International. Yeah. It's so unique that I am in this pageant and I'm doing it because of grief. I'm doing it because of the way 
my life was impacted through grief, through losing my sister. So the pageant, there's, of course, there's many, many different pageant systems. The international pageant system, each contestant is required to have a platform. And a platform is a cause or an organization that they represent and they stand behind their year for their, it's a, you know, year long reign. And so that, I, I, it's funny, I wanted to take part in pageantry when I was in high school and was just intimidated, never did it. And then I did little pageants here and there. Of course, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, And good thing there was no social media back then. (laughs) Um, So then I watched an interview with Mrs. International 2016. And this woman was talking with such dignity and poise. She was professional and she was beautiful. And she had this purpose behind what she was doing. She was on a mission just to make an impact and to use her authentic gifts to make a difference. And I was really encouraged and I was blown away. And I thought, wow, I was like, that desire I had to do pageants, there's something to it. There's a depth there. There's a purpose to it. Mm -hmm. So I began um, following the international system and applied to be Mrs. Louisiana. And as I was talking, I hired a coach. And as I was talking with her, I kept kind of ignoring the fact that grief was the biggest life-defining moment for me. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of veering towards a lighter, easier route. <laughs> and as I'm talking with the coach and we're discussing things, finally I said, you know what? I said, I need to do my platform needs to be something about grief. And she responded, you need to spread hope beyond grief. And I just sat there for a minute and I was like, that's it. I was like, that's what I want to do. So my official platform is spreading hope beyond grief. What I learned, what I experienced through my own grief was that it's isolating It's not talked about very much and resources are hard to find or they're bad or they're (laughs) bad. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, It took five, I mean, five years until I discovered, I mean, your wonderful podcast where people are talking about the truth. They're talking about real things. I mean, grief is raw and when you're going through it or you had the first time you ever experienced it like me, I wanted to know what in the world am I supposed to feel? Like what, what's, what's my family going to look like? What, you know, how bad is this really going to be? And mm-hmm. everything was kind of sugarcoated and everything was more, I guess, more scientifically approached and it was more self-help. Well, if you do mm-hmm. this and this, and it, it wasn't that realness that I, desired. I didn't realize that's what I wanted at first. My ultimate goal is to become Mrs. International. The pageant is at the end of July. And so as I'm, yes, as I'm walking towards that goal, that goal is there. It's a bigger platform. It's a broader space. Of course, there's a lot more resources that the international pageant system has. There's travel involved. And what I am doing now, what I want to do on a bigger scale is to speak to, you know, different media, do a media tour, do podcasts, radio, 
and just get my message out about grief, what I went through, and also just encourage people to inspire them to be active in whatever their gifts are and whatever their whatever they're passionate about to go after it. I know as a busy mom and a wife, it's so easy to get content and get comfortable in -hmm. where we are. And it's like, man, but if there's something on your heart that you really want to do, I want to encourage people to, to go for it and do it. Don't limit yourself with my platform. I have become, I reached out to a camp, a summer camp called experience camps and they provide free summer camp for grieving children. It's for children who have lost a parent, a sibling or a primary caregiver. So they've narrowed down their scope just to ensure that each child there has experienced the same level of loss. It mm-hmm. has to be you know, a very significant loss. So this camp is wonderful. They have five locations in the United States and it's a true summer camp. They, they get to do, you know, rock climbing, horseback riding, tubing, really fun stuff. But while they're there, everyone who's around them has experienced the same thing they have. And so Mm -hmm. their, their focus is connection. Their heart is to connect these children who are grieving. And that's where they find healing. That's where they can heal and they can know I'm going to be okay. I'm forever changed because I lost my loved one but that doesn't mean my life's over. I can keep living with my loved one close to me. Mm-hmm. And it's a great group. So I'm an ambassador for Experience Camps, just raising awareness and letting people know that it's available. It just takes me back to sibling grief. Yeah. And those children who have lost a sibling, it's like, man, their, their parents have lost a child. How are their parents going to help them through this when they're going through their own grief at the same time? It's a yeah. really neat place. Well, it flows so nicely into what you were saying about how isolating of an experience grief can be. And I do think each experience is unique. I always say that. There's so many common threads in loss that you can form a connection and a bond over. And so the fact that and like children may not have the language to talk about it or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. be able to name the emotions they're feeling. So the fact that this is available is wonderful. And I'll put it in the show notes so people can see more about them if they're interested. It's so important to be able, and like kids see and realize like so much more than people think. You're right. Yeah. So it like, it's important for them to be able to have an experience of riding a horse, rock climbing, but also like you're in a community where like people kind of have the same understanding. Right. Exactly. That's so great. I have a question. What's your experience with when you tell people what your platform is? You just like meet someone and you're like, hi, I'm Mrs. Louisiana International. Like, and you tell them about your platform. What is that? What are those conversations like? Because I have my own experiences I can share when I tell them people about (laughs) my podcast. (laughs) You know, that is such a good question. And unfortunately, I'm not going to have a good answer because of (laughs) coronavirus. I haven't been out in the community. So the people who, gosh, let me, I really, let me think, I think there might only be one person who I've told, you know, point blank about it and what my platform was who didn't know already. Most, most of the people who know about my, about it are just in my sphere right now. And just, you know, my friends, family, social media, you know, people 
yeah, they know what, what has already happened. There, there was, there was a man, a radio interview I did recently and, and he, everyone just kind of gets quiet. <laughs> they just kind of stop for a minute and, and it's like, okay, will we explain that? <laughs> you know, it's, it, I think it does take people back. And something that I realized, and this, this kind of goes off with your question though, as I talk about my grief so often, I can almost get numb to it. And I wonder if you're the same. I have to stop myself sometimes and be like, be like, okay, and kind of take myself back to those sad, hard emotions just to kind of get the life, you know, it's funny to say life and grief, but to yeah. get the life and the feeling back into my story and That's- that it is grief. I am strong and I am standing here in strength because you know what I've overcome but it's real that's a really really interesting yeah so just quickly when I tell people about the podcast and normally it's I'm single I'm on dating apps and like trying to meet people before coronavirus started I would try to meet people in real life and if someone's like oh what do you do I'm like I own my own business and I have a podcast everyone wants to know what the podcast is about and like I'm telling a guy, I'm like, I promise I'm fun. Like, even though my <laughs> podcast is about grief. Like, and they're like, okay, like, that's cool you're doing that. But, like, I I did find, though, a lot, like, because I started in November. It's like I would meet people at parties, and I really quickly would form connections with people. And because you totally skip the small talk when you open that as an avenue for conversation. And so that's something that I've like really found to be a blessing in the podcast that I love that I'm having like deeper conversations with people when I say what I do. It takes it to a deep, it's like instant, like deep yeah. level. It's like, exactly. Oh, it's like they get life. Like they, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. see how precious life is. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting. I feel like I talk about grief every week and I, when I'm recording, And I don't find that I'm like going not always as much into my own grief, you know, Right. like I'm talking about other people and I can like recall some of my experiences, but like certain times, like the other day I was like looking at pictures from like, we don't have my dad's house anymore. And it's like, I really miss his house and I miss him and like miss having like a city escape. It was an hour outside of New York City, and it's my first yeah. summer not having a pool, and I'm not okay. <laughs> um, which, like, sounds probably really silly to some people. The reason that the cover art of the podcast is water is because I so associated pool and water with my dad. Aww, and so, that. yeah, yeah, I think I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but that's why yeah. the cover art is what it is. And so, I don't always like go into my own and like I will like something will trigger it mm-hmm. but it's oftentimes not when I'm recording on the podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really interesting that you asked that right yeah yeah um because it's just sometimes it's too sad <laughs> right I know it yeah. is it's hard to I remember, it's funny, I remember one time listening, one of your podcasts, I don't remember which one it was, and you were telling us, it was a, it was a, it was, we're not often, we, you know, you go into detail, 
and it was about, it was a memory you had of your, of your dad. And I mean, I'm, I'm just like, like crying. (laughs) And it was just, it was so therapeutic. Just like, just hearing your depth, you know, and even though it's like, Oh, it's like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to that painful spot. I just want to thank you because it, it's, therapeutic for those who are listening just to see that real deep love that we all have inside of us you know towards the people like that we love that's so kind of you to say and it just is like there have been several moments where I'm like moved to tears on the podcast and it's really really important to be able to be open with like this is a horrible thing and it's sad, and it's devastating. I always say, does grief have like a statute of limitations? I feel like people think like, oh, you'll, you'll be fine, because people like don't want to talk about it after a period of time. And yeah. in watching with like, my cousin, who I'm super, super close to, we're like sisters. And when her mom died, it's been, I think it's 17 years, maybe wow. more. And she's like, some parts of it get easier and some parts of it gets so much worse because you want to be able to talk to them about a new stage of life that you wouldn't have wanted to known to talk about them Mm -hmm. with I really think like time like can make some things easier but some things as it relates to loss just so much harder I really think it's important for people to like give themselves the space and the permission to have those emotional feelings and be like, this is still sad. Like there is no time limit. And I remember my dad telling me like, cause he lost his dad. My grandpa um, like had a heart attack and like fell into his soup and like at the mm. table. And my yeah. dad like, so he like worked for him after college. My grandfather was a theater producer. And like, so my dad worked with him and like went like London with him and like all of this stuff but he said he didn't deal with it whoever he was with went um out and came back and he was just like bawling and it Mm. had been like however many years but like that was finally when he processed it and that's why I'm such a proponent of not putting these emotions away in a box because then they like come out at really inopportune times sometimes your grief comes out just unexpectedly Mm -hmm. but if if you're Mm -hmm. doing the like feeling it's less I don't know if you've had that experience but yeah like I don't get like surprise grief attacks right right. (laughs) yeah well so I was eight months pregnant with my fourth child when my sister died so I went through so I lost her and like I said earlier I mean I was in shock I was like wait I didn't I really literally did not think she was going to die, even though it was obvious that's what Mm -hmm. was happening. Then I had a child and then, you know, I had my oldest was five. So I had Mm -hmm. a five, a three, a two, and then a newborn. Oh my God. And so I, (laughs) I look back, I'm like, wait, who was that me? Did I do that? Did I go through it? And so for me, I don't think I dealt with my grief for like years. Here I am five years down the road. I know it was at least a full year. I mean, I, one of my really close friends, she told me it was a few years later and I was getting emotional about something. And she was like, 
I am so glad you're crying <laughs> because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't go there yet. I was just consumed with life at the moment that I couldn't go to those deep emotions. Just like you said, we have to be gentle with ourselves. We have to give ourselves grace. And, you know, I mean, I, I didn't really I don't know. I didn't really, you know, I didn't go to a counselor. I didn't, I didn't have time to do counseling or anything like that in the beginning. And I just had one little self-help grief book that, yeah. that wasn't very helpful that I went through, but it was still like in those, those quiet moments, I would just sit there in the morning on the couch and I would just sit there and I would just stare out the window. And, but it was, even though there was, nothing really going on. It was still healing. Like it was, mm -hmm. that's what I needed in that moment. And yeah, it's just, you're right. It's, it's different for, it's different for everybody. You get to a point where you can't, you're right. You don't get your surprise attacks. You get to, it's where it's, you have to let yourself go there. You have to let yourself go to those deep feelings yeah. and then it won't sneak up. I agree. That's great. That's a great, that's great advice. Yeah. In like recent memory, like his one year was in April. And so it was mm. really like, a mess on that, but also like the lead up yeah. to it was really yes. anxiety inducing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that changes at all over the years or every year? It's just like hard. The lead up. No, it's every year. And it's cool. it, it, great. It, <laughs> <laughs> <can't> wait. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was really hoping you'd be like, no, it's, it's easier now. It's <laughs> so much easier. <laughs> Because like the well, anxiety leading up was like, and especially like, with Corona. So like his one year is April 10th. And so uh, it was like, I'm going to be alone. Right. And what am I going to do? But like before coronavirus, we were trying to figure out as a family what we were going to do. And then right. like the pandemic was like, just kidding. <laughs> like just you're kidding. not doing anything. <laughs> but it was like the lead up I really found mm -hmm. more difficult than mm -hmm. the day. Yeah. Right. I agree. Yeah. Me too. Uh, when my sister, so my sister's birthday was six days um, after mine. And so we would always celebrate our birthdays together. Yeah. So the first few years, her, it was her birthday that was so hard for me mm -hmm. because it was just so different. It was like, wait a minute, <laughs> we were always doing something together. And, and then now my mom and I, we get together and we do something around our birthdays like in memory you know with of course my sister yeah. and mine kind of in her memory and so having something like that has helped a lot with her birthday and it's it's something it's something I can look forward to but it took yeah. a while for us to figure out how what what should we do what you know what can we do and then and then the week though leading up to to her death it's it's like yeah like my sister's death was in March and it's like the week before I just, I try to not think about it, but I'm just emotional. And it, it, like you said, it's the anxiety. It's like the anxiety of this day's coming. I don't want this day to come. Yeah. But it's and like, what am I going to do? How am I going to feel like? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just it stinks. It, it does. I would use a different word. You're, you're much, you're used to being around children. I guess. I'm used to being around kids. Yes. <laughs> I agree. We have to have it G rated. 
I think you're the language first guest I've had. Most guests swear at least once. <laughs> you're the first person who has it. <laughs> I'm telling you, being a mom changes you. Yeah. It's like, I can't, I'm like nowhere near having children. <laughs> so I have no idea. Um, <laughs> all right. Is there anything else, any advice, anything that was like really helpful to you? Final thoughts that you want to share. I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're busy. Well, hey, gosh, I would, I think, no, I think we really touched on it all. I mean, I really enjoyed journaling and for me that was therapeutic because I felt as if when I started to write emotions and thoughts would come out that I didn't realize I had Mm -hmm. and just and of course giving yourself grace I mean there were days and nights where I mean I wouldn't even go tuck my kids in at night just I just couldn't and I And even looking back, I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't feel guilty about that. I'm glad I knew I needed, I just needed to heal. I just needed to get my, you know, get my heart, my heart back together. Yeah. So, and I, and I encourage, of course, you know, listen to podcasts like this and don't shy away from talking about those feelings. Mm -hmm. I've, I've started a blog through this pageant journey, um, decided they kind of gave me the motivation to actually do it. Not just think about it, but actually do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And so I started a blog and so I write in there just, just different things about grief. And I, like I said, I mean, my mission is to open that conversation. I want people to be able to read stuff that's hard and the stuff that talks about the, you know, the, the hard emotions, because if we can see that someone else has gone through that, it's, just helps the process. I so appreciate you having me on. I love talking with you. I'm so glad. I love talking with you. I'm so glad you emailed me. Can you tell listeners where to find your blog, where to find you online, Instagram, website, whatever you want people to look at? Yes. Okay. So my blog is, it's my name, www.lauraoba.com. It's it's O-B-I-E-R. And so that's, and I have different, I have three different topics. I have grief, motherhood, and pageantry as well on there. And you can subscribe. I also, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is Mrs. Louisiana International 2020. Or you can look up Laura OBA, of course. And then Facebook is, it's Laura OBA. I also have a Mrs. Louisiana International 2020 page as well. Okay. Amazing. Thank you again. This was such a great conversation. I'm so glad that we could find time and make this work. So thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. You can find us online at www.thegriefcoach.co on social at the underscore grief coach. And if you can leave a nice review in Apple Podcasts, that helps other people who are looking for resources like this find us. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll talk next week.